All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast. I'm Mike, and Robert is with us as well. And we are, as always, excited to be here. And we are, you know, we're we're stunned, just like the rest of the country, with the the big Trump win. But I think we're we're optimistic and a little bit excited as well. So we'll talk about that on today's episode. Um, please follow us on Twitter at LLNP Podcast. And what's the website, Mike? I'm afraid to say it because if I get it wrong, then everyone's going to end up like going to the to the wrong areas of the internet and. And I don't know. No, we, we can happen. just buy that one too. That would be okay. <laughs> but for, uh, well, let's just start it off. Anyway, so it's LLPpodcast.com. LLPpodcast.com. That's so simple, even I can remember it. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. So what are we going to talk about today, Mike? Well, I think we're going to chat about the uh, the Trump revolution and how it's already shaping our nation in one short week. Isn't it ridiculous? It's getting ridiculous already, and it hasn't even been seven full days since the election. Not quite. I know I know. when we signed off on our election night special, we weren't sure what was going to happen. We kind of were, you know, we had the, the kind of the vague impression that maybe Trump was going to pull out ahead uh, or actually stay, maintain his lead throughout the night and maybe eke out a win, but... Uh, you know, sure enough, he did, and we're just kind of been watching the the reaction the way the rest of the country has since then. Well, I think it's funny that you said we thought that. Well, Mike, I wasn't even sure that when I we stopped that podcast uh, on election night that he was actually going to win it. I didn't think that at all. Oh, I definitely. I think it was far from a sure thing at that point. But um, all I'm saying is, I think you and I were both surprised with how well he was doing early on. Uh, compared with the expectations that I think you and I both had, as well as everything that uh, the media had set us up to kind of buy into going into election night. so Yeah, and the media, what a disappointment that was. But really, should we should we be all that upset? Because I feel like, you know, it, it was just more of the same. So, Well, it's just, I, I feel like at this point, watching for the last, gosh, how's it, how long has it been? A year and a half? That journalism is is just as a subject just dead. Oh yeah. Nobody reports anything the way it should be. Everything is just spin. No matter which um, you know station you're watching or listening to, a hundred percent of it it's just spin. Yeah, journalism is definitely a dead profession. However, editorializing and throwing out opinions is alive and well. Yeah, and we can watch that from, it doesn't matter what station, whether you watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, it doesn't matter. It's all the same, and it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, definitely. But let's um, let's talk more about the election, because there were a lot of interesting things that have been going on between, obviously, the rioting, the protesting, you know, people are burning crap to the ground again, like, you know... Like, we really didn't see that coming, but I thought it was going to be the Trump supporters personally. I was going to say, it's all those Trump supporters that are yeah. going crazy and tearing up the streets and just not accepting anything, right? Just like we were told was going to happen. Oh. All those bigots and racists. Just... Wait a minute. It's Hold not on. that at all. It's what? the opposite. Oh, my goodness. Can are you, you believe... telling me that it's the Hillary supporters? It is. It is. And I am just shocked watching whether it be the news or, or seeing it on social media, watching all of these people protest. And I got no problem with a peaceful protest. That 
I don't care. But the fact that they're all screaming and yelling. So the Electoral College gave Trump the win instead of the popular vote, as you know. And they, they can't accept it. And going back and back and back for the last however many weeks, let's say three or four, Trump has always been saying he doesn't know if he was going to say, okay, I'll accept the election results until election night. And I think it's funny that Hillary and Tim Kaine and Bernie Sanders even, when they were talking to their group, their small groups, that isn't it ridiculous that he's not going to, to accept the, the outcome of this election unless maybe he wins. And here, her supporters are doing the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Talk, of, talk about the, just the ever-present double standard that has plagued us throughout this election. Oh, my gosh. It's so frustrating to watch and, and even more frustrating to listen to. It's, uh, how, how can you not be upset by that? Well, you, you can't be. You can't be upset. I'm not upset about it, really, because I know these people sooner or later are going to have to go back to their jobs. They're not going to have that many days off in a row that they can take and protest. And if well, they are, that the means they're unemployed. The students, Robert, it's the students. Well, they, can, the, they can take off as many days as they want because their professors are just right there with them in the streets. Let me tell you something. If these students are taking off time from school and then we're going to have to start paying for it, come on. Obviously, we're not because Trump's in. But if Hillary was in and these people were protesting and they weren't going to class, I don't want to pay for that. Free protesting for everyone. You think that, Do you think, like Trump's been saying and Newt Gingrich has been saying, Rudy Giuliani, all of them are saying that these people are being paid to protest? Do I think that that's actually happening or not? Yes. Uh, yes, I think there's probably a small portion of paid protesters. I don't think... I don't think you get these kind of protests on this scale in today's day and age without some professionals being in the mix. Now, do I think all of them are? No, but I definitely think there's like probably some component of, you know, maybe one or two folks from an organization out there who's whipping everyone else into a frenzy. I find that totally plausible. But I mean, there's there's like tens of thousands of people per protest. I mean, did you see the one in L.A.? It's insane. It looked like there were 100,000 people there, and I don't see how. I mean, <laughs> that many people can't have the day off, really. Right. It's, it's unreal. Um, but is it, is it not time to just say all these people that are saying, hashtag not my president, is it, is it not time for them to accept the results and say, you know what, we're still going to have our voice? However, Donald Trump is the president of the United States, whether we like it or not. Right. And, and you know, to, to Hillary's credit and to President Obama's credit, they came out with immediate messages of unity, which is, you know, it's required in that situation. However, you know, I'm thinking they probably could have followed up a little bit more as some of this unfolded across the national scene. It's only been six days. Understandably, but still. Still what? Still, you think, I would you expect, think they should be sitting uh, out would, there every would, single day and saying, don't protest, he's the president, just get along? No, I feel like they should probably coddle their supporters a little bit more as they've whipped them into a frenzy and coddled them throughout the entire cycle. Well, their whole, their whole plan was coddling them, don't you think? I believe so, yes. <laughs> and I think they need to kind of come out and voice a more stronger voice in this. 
Well, they got a little bit of a rude awakening. I mean, because you think about it, right? Uh, you know, President-elect Donald Trump here is set to take the office in January, and they, uh, Hillary, who throughout the entire election cycle said that Donald Trump was the instigator calling people the nastiest names that his supporters were the worst, the basket of deplorables. And now you have her whipped into a frenzy group going through terrorizing businesses, destroying public property, uh, just, you know, wreaking havoc on America, literally. And she's nowhere to be found at this point to, to kind of, help quiet them down and i think that's kind of you know that's kind of i feel like she should step up a little there i mean i do think there are some people on that side that are are stepping up um i mean i i know are, are you counting harry reed as one of those people <laughs> no but i can i can tell you this from watching the video of the guy getting dragged out of his car pretty much in chicago i'm sure you saw that did you not Oh yeah, Shy Town representing in a big way. It's first of all, if those proud people of are not 100% prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and do not go to prison for a very long time, I'm going to be pretty upset. However, I mean, those Cubs fans, right? They just won the World Series and now they just like can't deal with the Donald Trump, you know, presidency, but they can deal with decades of defeat. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a good point, Mike. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but there there was a community leader there that and, and he even said, "Look, this community needs to turn these people in. Said this is not what we're about, and it's it's ridiculous that it happened in the first place. Uh, yeah, I would applaud that local community leader for that isolated incident in Chicago. However, where are the folks stepping up on a national scale to quiet the the the, the outrage well, that they have incited? Would you really, do you really expect him to though? I mean, look at it this way. Do you think Donald Trump, if he hadn't been elected, do you think he would have said, "Oh, you know, everybody just let's all calm down. I didn't win. You know, Hillary's great. She's fantastic. Whatever it is." No, I don't I don't think that sh that he would do that for her either. I think if things were this bad and if the reaction was this severe as we're seeing with the left supporters, I think he probably would have stepped up and, and said something. I, I think so. But the left, I mean, they're so peaceful. It's fairly unconscionable not to. Well, <laughs> I don't know. That's what that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of. It, it's just ridiculous all the way around. I mean, that it's 2016. There's no reason for anybody to ever act like that, period. So, Mike, let, let's let's change gears a little bit. Did you get to watch that 60 Minutes interview with Trump? I did. What did you think? And I'm curious to know if you found it as frustrating as I did. Mildly. Mildly. Was, I, don't, I don't think she was very fair. We'll put it that way. But I, I thought that him and his kids and Melania, all of them had uh, good things to say. I'm just very curious as to if any journalist treated President-elect Obama with the same condescending tone of voice that that CBS 60 Minutes person did for the first 25 minutes of that interview. Curious if anyone ever has done that with uh, President-elect Obama prior to his... Uh, his inauguration. Well, we just went over the journalism is dead, right? So obviously they had some way to spin it, and they had she to make him look like an ass. She literally treated him 
with her tone and her questions like a small child and completely abdicated any sense of respect for a man who has just been elected the 45th president of the United States. Well, how is that different from what you do to me every time that we're on one of these things? Fair point, Robert. You're pretty condescending. However, I don't know. That is a fair point. Not really. No. Not really the same at all. No. Well, so I actually thought it was it was interesting what Trump had to say about Obama and Clinton, both, um, in the first few minutes of that. So um, he said Obama was great. He said he was great. And I don't understand how he would say that after he sat on the campaign trail and just talked down about both Clinton and Obama and said Clinton was had a well-fought campaign and that she was a hard worker and she was great for this country. Does that make any sense to you at all? A little bit. makes a little bit of sense to me, Robert. Just for the unity's sake or the fact that he's actually a closet Democrat? Uh, for neither of those reasons necessarily. I don't... See, I now don't... you're condescending. I'm sorry? You're very condescending right now, Mike. You're that tone of yours. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'm Donald Trump and nobody knows it. But continue your point. Then I'm then I'm gonna join then I might join one of those protests after all. So Oh, terrible. But um no the reason I think uh he, he came out that way is is not not necessarily for unity, um, but simply because he I think a, I really think, and I think he's even admitted this himself, that he didn't expect to win. I don't think deep in his heart of hearts he actually thought he was going to be walking away as as the president here um, in a few short months. I think that's part of it. And 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 kind of the, the second part of that, the tail end of that, is I think he's fi- he finally realizes that, hey, I'm going to have to kind of get professionally get along with some of these people at this point now. And it's my job as the president-elect, and my job as the president is not to beat the crap out of Hillary on the campaign trail every night. It's not to denounce Obama every single day, 24-7. It's not to wake up at 3 a.m. and tweet them and say how terrible they are. It's not to whip my support base into a frenzy anymore. It's to try to bring about some of these changes that I'm, you know, that the American people are supporting me on. I think that's, I think that's the main thing. Well, you you say that that his job is no longer to beat up Obama and beat up Hillary. Well, what has Obama been doing for the last eight years? He's been blaming everything on Fox News and George Bush. Well, Obama, as we all know, really tried to rewrite the job description for the president of the United States. And to to his credit, he pretty much succeeded in in doing that. So I'm pretty sure it's like part time, you know, it's like 25 percent. Uh, look after foreign interest affairs, uh, 25%, you know, talk to the American people and 50%, you know, get as many rounds of golf in as you can. So I think he did a fair job at that with his tenure over the past eight years. Well, he played a lot of golf, a lot of golf. And as a golfer, that's great. But at the same time, I would have rather him do a couple more things as the president. Um, I mean, he can play golf now. He can retire on his $400,000, whatever the hell he gets per year now, right? What does he make? Do you know? Well, I did learn that as part of the 60 Minutes interview because Donald Trump also didn't know what the salary for the president's uh, position was. So, well, yeah, it's like 437000 something like that. Well, that's what he gets per year as president, but I'm talking about afterward. Oh, I have no idea. What I don't is, know what he gets what, either. 
pretty sure that the retirement plan for next president is you start a foundation, you get $17 million in a chancellor's arrangement for some for-profit university, and then just keep raking in million-dollar birthday gifts from Middle Eastern countries. Isn't that how it works? I think that's how it works if you're a Democrat. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if President well, Bush well, was President doing Obama that. is, isn't he? He is. And of course, you know, look at Billary and their foundation. It's it's just a nightmare. But um, back to the 60 Minutes thing, you know, Trump said that he and Obama actually had some pretty great chemistry um, throughout the entire thing. Nothing was uncomfortable. Do you buy that? Because I don't. I, you know, that's, that's such a hard call. Um, I kind of could see it because, I mean, you look at you look at Donald Trump, billionaire businessman, uh, been in some of the toughest business markets internationally. And then you have President Obama, who's, uh, you know, a leftist uh, politician. I think they're both probably pretty used to having some people say some not nice things about them. And then I think they're both probably used to getting on with it after the, uh, the dust has settled. So I, I could completely buy that premise. So Obama, I, one thing I liked about what he said on the Wednesday before he met with President-elect Trump was that he wanted this transition to go as smooth as possible, and he wanted the next president to be as successful as possible. And he was following the precedent of the previous president, George W. Bush, with his team giving every bit of support possible to the Obama administration. And I thought the fact that he gave Bush so much credit I can I can kind of like this guy at this point. What do you think? I think, you know, for as much as we're six days into the, the Trump, you know, administration insights and just starting to get a look at what that could possibly look like, uh, we've we were coming to the end of eight years with President Obama, and for as divisive as his presidency has been at times, you know, at some points more than others during the past eight years, I, I would agree with you that he is winding down in a, um, you know, in a pretty decent fashion. I mean, granted after the mudslinging he did at the end of the campaign. Um, but yeah, so far I think he's, you know, I think that's an excellent way that he's, he's kind of going out right now and transitioning. And I think it speaks, it does speak very highly of president Bush and his role in, in supporting the Obama administration as they're coming into power. Yeah, and, and Obama's actual, it's not a direct quote, but I'm going to summarize it. And, you know, he said, we're going to do everything we can to help you succeed because if you succeed, the country succeeds. And, you know, as, as an American, I can absolutely get behind that. And I don't see why other people can't as well. Those words ring true. They do. They do. But, you know, at this point in time, I want to kind of go more toward... We'll call it the meat of the interview. I want to talk about his actual plans. So the first thing I would say that every Trump supporter wanted was Hillary in prison, right? Well, wall, wall in prison. Wall in prison, exactly. Wall in prison. But Build a wall around Mexico and Hillary. But if you listen to what he said, because he was asked, are you going to appoint a special prosecutor? And go after Hillary. And what did he say? He, he didn't give a definitive answer. He said, come back to me on the next 60 minutes. Yeah, he's not yet. That was his not yet. Well, his entire campaign was really that and the wall. And what did he say on the wall? 
that there would be a wall, uh, maybe. Sometimes it could be a fence. Which I think is semantics, but okay. Yeah. I mean, but it's ridiculous. You know, I, I think that every bit of the immigration policy that a lot of his supporters were looking for, I, I don't think he's going to follow through on. And not just because, you know, he can't, because he can't, but because he probably so, didn't want that in the first place. Here's my beef, okay? I think anybody who thinks that every campaign promise is going to come true and that this, you know, whoever the, the person running of the moment is can make their campaign's, you know, promises true, I, I think that person is incredibly naive, whoever buys into that at this in, in this day and age, because it's, it's just not possible. So I think... I'm kind of upset for people who are, you know, upset about that. And then the other part of it um, that I think is is really kind of crazy is I don't think any president-elect who's been a president-elect for only five or six days, I don't think anyone's ever been pinned down so hard by the media about whether or not they're going to make their campaign promises come true. I mean, let's be real. The man's only had a, you know, a glimpse into that future, a real glimpse into that future for five days. How are we supposed to do that? I mean, come on. What was it? Uh, the New York Times, I think, posted an op-ed where they fact-checked his campaign promises two days after he was elected. How are we fact-checking things that haven't even happened yet or haven't even had the chance to happen? I, I think their main thing is that most of it can't happen. It really can't. I mean, I think a lot of people got duped by him. Are we really? Are we really all? Were, was everybody gonna nail his, uh, Hillary to the wall, saying Hillary? Now, is everybody really gonna get free college? Are you really gonna be able to do that? College for everybody? Is that gonna happen? Well, I don't think we would have seen any of that. It's here's the deal, Mike. It's plausible. It's plausible that we could have done something like that. However, if you listen to the campaign promises of of Donald Trump, a the wall I don't think is going to happen. Number one. He can't deport 11 million people. That could never happen. He doesn't want to deport 11 million people. Though, that's not point. what he said to begin with. That, that's not what he said on 60 Minutes. He said about 2 to 3 million were with criminal records. And I get that. I'm for that. But the first thing he wanted to do was secure the border and get all these people out of there. Well, you cannot physically deport 11 million people. That's why he stated on 60 Minutes, well, maybe it's more like 2 million. And I think that's a high number, personally. I don't see how there are that many people with criminal records like that that are in here. I think he's been walking that number back ever since he sent it out. I mean, I haven't heard him talking about 11 million number probably since the early primaries, but okay. I don't know. Well, what about what about healthcare? Repeal and replace. That's been the slogan of the Republican Party since bef just before Obamacare got pushed through at midnight Christmas 7 years ago. But do you think it's going to happen? Um, yeah, I think it will. Do I think it's going to be uh, necessarily more competent at this point than Obamacare? Probably not. I don't think that's something that needs to be on the agenda for year one. Probably not even year two. I think repeal and replace could happen, but I think it needs to happen in a responsible manner because I'll tell you, nothing will be the deathbed of the Republican Party as much as everybody likes to throw that around these days. Nothing will be the deathbed of the Republican Party more than repealing Obamacare and either failing to replace it 
with something uh, as good or replacing it with something that doesn't work as well. Not that Obamacare has worked terribly well, but I was going to say that would, that that would kill it. You know, that would that would be the end of it. So. Yeah, you were talking about being as good. Well, I don't think that was good in the first place. True, but here's the other here here's the part two to that though. Obama had eight years to see that through. Well, really probably six and a half after that got pushed through to to kind of work through that. Six and a half years is a long time and a lot of legislation came into play over those that period of time for businesses and individuals. I think I think we're looking at a one term Trump presidency, to be honest. I don't think anyone really sees him going for two terms here. Well so that's gonna put even more pressure on that. I don't I don't think he wants to be a two term president. I don't think he really wanted to be the first year president. <laughs> really don't. I I don't think he wanted this job at all. He did this as a joke. Some other billionaire probably paid him some money and said, Hey, why don't you run for president? And he goes, Okay. And he does it. And then he I mean, wins. As much as we can speculate, I honestly don't think anyone will ever know what Trump's true motivations were for running for president beyond maybe to cement a Trump name in the fiber, in the fabric of American history. Um, you know, maybe that's it. But otherwise, I don't know that we'll ever know. Well, of course. What do you think is going to go on the White House the first day he moves in? There's going to be a gold plated or maybe solid gold. Who knows? Big Trump name sitting right outside the entrance. Do you think he'll uh, do you think like each one of the little columns on the White House he'll just like make them little mini Trump towers? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't put it past him. That's the funny thing is that we're joking about it, but it isn't really a joke. He might do something stupid like that. I don't I don't think he will. Honestly, don't think he will. It's fun to joke about, but I I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Does, I want to know. Do you think does Trump have a dog? Do they do they allow those in Trump Tower? And what would his dog be? Well, and if you think about it, he's going to probably have a dog in the White House. Most presidents in the recent years have had dogs. Yeah. So and that's Ob what I'm curious about. Like, what do you what do you think we'll end up with? You like, know, Obama's dog was actually from Texas. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. Yeah, there you go. See, there's a Texan part of his family. <laughs> It's true, whether he likes it or not. He and George Bush are actually related now. Well, not really. Not really. Mind but I think we're getting slightly off topic with the dogs in the Trump Tower, little mini Trump Tower could, columns. But I'm just, I'm just going to comment on my dog comment. I could see it going either way, like teacup, like chihuahua or something to appease Melania. Or I could see him like overcompensating in Trump fashion and just getting like a giant bull mastiff or something. You know, I, I would be disappointed with... Either one of those, actually. <laughs> Hopefully, it's just something normal. Maybe he'll get a lab. I bet it'll lab. be. You know what? I bet it'll be a golden lab or you know, golden that's retriever. Classic. I'm I, thinking. I can appreciate that as long as it's not any kind of doodle. Because he I likes think. he likes gold. I think we're done with doodles in the White House. Okay. Are we? I hope so. I don't know. Until your brother becomes president, <laughs> and then we might have another one. Fair but point. anyway, so back back to the, the the normal topics at hand here. I want to talk about his uh, really his interview. So something that I thought was kind of nice was that he still said he was pro life and pro Second Amendment. So at least that part of it hasn't changed, and he's he's really looking for a Supreme Court justice that will uphold really both of those types of decisions. Those values. Yeah, yeah, and, so and I I I really like that. You know, I mean, it's. 
going back to the Constitution, we really needed a constitutional conservative in there, in my opinion. However, we didn't get that. We got Trump. So um, as part of that, to just to kind of piggyback on that, some of the flack that he's been getting around this interview is concerning the his comments on abortion. And, you know, it just it kind of really ticked me off how how upset the the 60 minute. I don't even know her name. You know, I don't either. That's the sad part. Huh? I said, I don't either. And that's the sad part. I don't even know who that is. I don't know who she is either, but it made me mad how kind of incredulous she found it when Trump, you know, suggested that perhaps abortion would be a state's rights issue once again. And she was so appalled by the thought that a woman might not be able to get an abortion in her state. And Trump suggested that she may have to either move to a state where abortions are legal or travel to another one. I mean, why is that upsetting? That is so frustrating to me. First of all, let's think about it this way. There is not a state in this union that is going to flat out ban it. There's not. They might put some stricter regulations on it to where, like in Texas, where, by the way, that decision was overturned. So that no longer happens. However, it was a 20-week cutoff, number one. And number two, the doctor performing the abortion had to have admitting rights at a local hospital. And I don't see why that's a problem. Because the woman can still get an abortion, number one. And number two, if you look at the stats, 95% of all abortions are done within the first 20 weeks anyway. It's semantics. Well, and why would you and like why would you think having admitting rights to a hospital would would, would be a bad thing? You know? I don't know. That's I never figured out why Wendy Davis here in Texas was fighting that tooth and nail. Because in reality, it wasn't a anti-abortion bill. It was making abortions safer. Safer. That's, That's truly looking all it out did. for women. Exactly. That. How much more pro-women can you be than looking out for their health? Yeah. So it's just ass backwards in my opinion. So he's, he's definitely pro-life, but I don't think there's any single state that's going to flat out just get rid of abortion. There's no way. There is no way. As you know, uh, I, I'm a proponent of legalizing marijuana. You know, we may differ in our opinion on that. I, I, I'm a proponent of that. I think it's a good move, and I think we should do it. However, the left does not get upset about states' rights for marijuana legalization initiatives. You know, they're all for that. However, when it comes to anything they disagree with, albeit abortion, as was brought up in this interview, or Second Amendment rights, um, and states trying to impose crazy limitations. I'm talking to you, California, with your uh, waiting period and background checks for ammunition purchases. What's and your going assault on with that? ban, which isn't assault weapons, but go ahead. So I'm saying, like, to me, they clearly are proponents of states' rights and the notion that a state should be able to decide for themselves how they will govern their people albeit the people of a state deciding how they should be governed instead of relying on the federal government to, you know, impose rule across everyone in all these matters. So to me, that's so that's just so frustrating to have a media figurehead such as this person that we don't know the name of. This unnamed you know, interviewer. Be so upset, you know? Come on. No, I, I agree. It's absolutely stupid. And something equally as stupid that I've noticed as well not only during this particular interview, but a lot of other issues that have, have kind of come up, is the LGBT and however many extra letters and plus signs are after that. I'm not 100% sure anymore. It seems like it changes every freaking week. However, 
They're so scared that he's going to take away their right to get married. But this this interview, I think at least, should have explained this to them well enough to where he even said, the Supreme Court settled it. So I'm okay with it. So why are they all voting right. Democrat? I don't get it. They're, they're pro, obviously they're pro-abortion. I don't know why, because, you know, I mean, they can't get pregnant, um, number one. Number two, they're pro-Muslim immigration, which I don't understand. It's just stupid. I don't, I don't get it, though. I don't understand all of these people who want to take up somebody else's fight that is actually completely against their own. I don't understand that at all. Whether it be the Muslim immigration thing and how they're all pissed about, you know, the gay thing. The gays love the, the Muslims even though they hate them, but they don't know it yet. Just wait till they get here. We're going to have another Pulse nightclub shooting. I'm calling it right now. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Mm. I mean, I don't want to sound like Trump because he did have a pretty off-color tweet after that, I think. Um, talking about how, you know, thank you for everybody telling me that I was right, which obviously <laughs> isn't a good thing. You know, but I, I don't understand. This, this guy hasn't taken office yet. So we have no idea what he's going to actually do. That's kind of my whole point. I think all this wild and rampant speculation and critique of his administration before it's even set and even begun is highly unfounded and so premature at this point. You finally got something right. <laughs> oh, wow. Such high praise. Yeah, I know. Another another point from that 60-minute interview was all the crap he took about his Twitter account still at this point, you know, you know, unbelievable to the point where she, where she's asking Melania about whether, you know, she's able to stop him from tweeting. I mean, what kind of crap is that? Nobody cares. Well, um, somebody you know, should stop every, him from tweeting. That's all well, I'm saying. All I'm saying is that President Obama, we have people lamenting his departure from Twitter, and we have people talking about how Trump, they can't wait for him to stop tweeting. I mean, come on now. Well, yeah, but that's because if you if you follow Barack Obama's Twitter account versus Donald Trump's Twitter account, they're completely different. Obama talks more about policy and talks about other things, and Trump just honestly, a lot of times, belittles people. Well, he's not a politician, so he hasn't had policy he to comment on until now. now. He is now. And that's why somebody needs to take his damn Twitter account away, which <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't banned him from Twitter like they did the other dude, <laughs> Milo Yiannopoulos. I'm surprised that they did not ban Trump for a lot of the crap that he says, too. Well, maybe if Milo had been elected president, he would have gotten a pass. But it's actually also- kind of funny. I saw I saw a picture the other day, and it was complete BS. But it was funny. It was him at the White House, probably not the real one, but a set anyway that looked like the White House, and he was acting like the press secretary. <laughs> How nuts would that be? Would be absurd because he's just as nutty as everybody else. Oh no! Yeah, if, I don't. I don't really not pay him any attention really. But he's got some funny things to say. Him and Gavin McInnes both. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they'll be due for a guest uh, guest po- position here on the LLMP podcast. I don't know. I think we could get them. I I agree. I think so. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on our podcast? You know, me. Have... <laughs> I'm I'm kind of wondering why I'm on this thing. That's rough. That's rough. It's okay. I wasn't talking about firing from you for once. So relax, there, Chief. I know. That's why I'm just like caught by surprise by your moment of despair. Oh, that's too bad. 
Well, have we have we come to the end here? I think we might uh, actually run out of time. I think so. I think this episode is one for the books. It's been fun. It's been a good good chat. You know, I think uh, our our main message is for the for the, the the many children's throwing temper tantrums in the street. You need to stop destroying people's property. Stop destroying business. Get your act together. You know, go home. Get a good night's rest. Go to work. Go to school. You know, learn, have an open mind, and uh, let's try to make America great. Yes, let's make America great again. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. That's what we're saying. That that's exactly what we're saying. Heck yeah! Well, follow us on Twitter at LLMP Podcast. We want to hear from you. You may or may not want to hear from us, but if you follow us, you will. And uh, download our episodes. We're on iTunes now. We so, are uh, on iTunes now. You should be subscribing to our podcast. That way you don't even have to think about it. We'll just get, you know, each episode each week, you know, whoop, right in your little iPod, right in your phone. Exactly. Listen to it. Notifications. On the, way to work, on the way to school. You know, it'll be a good thing. And if you don't have an Apple device for whatever reason, you can always get us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast, Or you can go to our website at llpodcast.com and find the links to find our podcasts. Signing off, I guess, this week. I'm Robert. Mike, thanks for being here. I guess we'll see you next week. 